I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Taisei Fu. And sadly, I did not win the vote for our preschoolers TV shows poll. Taisei won with a whopping, what was it, 63% of the vote, I That's think. Low. Which, to be honest, is is better than I thought I would do. Because <laughs> I, I, we were just talking... I I really I really fumbled the bag not taking Arthur with my first pick. As soon as you got Sesame Street and Arthur in my head, I was like, I'm I'm done for. There's no way I'm winning this. Yeah, that 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 is a correct analysis of exactly what went down. Um, yeah, Blue's Clues just doesn't doesn't hold weight, hold water compared to Arthur, particularly among older generations, because you know Arthur, nostalgic, solid message, and it just ended like last week. So you know, I think it was a popular pick across the board. It even compensated for my clown ass dinosaur train pick at the end um the bo- hey, what was that yeah i don't know i, I, I was still, i was out of anyway. shows i was out of shows okay forgive me forgive me i wasn't i still had a list of like many more which i actually i rattled off a few that i was thinking about taking yes. uh but i ultimately didn't yeah i don't know if i mentioned last week when we were talking about arthur um specifically how memeable dw is um the, the most famous one i think is that sign can't stop me because i can't read the sign on arthur's door that says like <laughs> keep out dw or something absolutely brilliant and then there's one where she um tells francine like why don't you go to your house and stop bothering us every i feel like <laughs> at least once a year it's healthy to pull up like best of dw youtube compilation <laughs> absolutely an absolute icon uh even even despite the the, the epilogue ending that you got um so yeah that <laughs> i think i think uh as a sidebar now that you mentioned that you you, you rattled off a whole bunch of shows um sh- shame on you for trying to have like nine nine shows on your team um as a you know as a as a hat you know trying to sneak them on i don't respect it uh but it's okay oh, what do you know no, i was just good. going through my options yeah, yeah i wasn't sure. expecting anyone sure. to I wasn't expecting anyone to to think like count these on my squad too. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Pretty suspicious. Uh, but uh, it's all good. It's all good because I won, and uh, I continue my uh, sure did. reign over these these game shows. You'll have to see it. Have I mentioned on here before that the fact that DW was always or almost always voiced by a boy? And one of those boys is an alumnus of our high school who was actually at our high school at the time he was voicing DW. Oh, really? I did. I knew that there was an alumnus. I knew that the voice of DW was an alumnus of our high school. But uh, at the same time, really, like how much? Yeah, old, he was a teenager. How much older? Were and they? I don't remember his name. Yeah. Uh, I think he was probably like fifteen or something. D- I'm looking it up. DW voice actor, Royal West Academy. I assume that will. That will tell me. I'm almost certain I've told this story on this podcast before. See, the show's iconic. It's a show's so iconic, it's pulled up on the podcast more than once. Um, it's under, yeah. yeah, it's under. Well, I guess it's another third time. <laughs> uh, let's see. I mean, I'm on the, I'm on our high school Wikipedia page under notable graduates, and uh, I can't find them. You are? Yeah. Like, I just pulled up the Wikipedia. No, no, no. I just pulled up the Wikipedia page. Not, not me oh, personally. Okay. I'm, I'm not that notable. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I'm. I'm on our Wikipedia page under notable graduates. I was like, wow, what did you do that was so notable? <laughs> yeah, I know. For, it's for this podcast, by the way. Uh, yeah, should, should I put us there? Co-hosts of Fusion and Hockey Podcast, notable <laughs> graduates. I, th- I think we can. Composer th- for musical without a cool acronym. There we go. <laughs> uh, well, I can't figure this out. Um, I, I can't find the actor, but we'll take your word for it because I, I do have a recollection of... Uh, 
I'm 100% sure. And I've seen the name before many oh, times. Oh, I found it. Robert Naylor. Um, there we go. Yeah, I just saw it too at the exact same time. Okay. So yeah, so he's 25 years old now. So five years older than Occupation us. actor, comma, musician. Best known uh, for voicing Dora Winifred D.W. Reed from 2007 to 2012 when he would have been uh, approximately 11 to 16 years old. Wow. Um, I'm looking at his, the Wikipedia page. The picture is uh, literally 10 years old and he's a child. Uh, and then you look like... <laughs> Most 10-year-olds are. <laughs> um, and you look a row below... And it's uh, it says age twenty five, so it's a pretty it's a pretty funny dichotomy right there. Uh, you, you got age twenty five, and then you have like a fifteen year old Robert Naylor. Um, can, can you notice that like on I know I know Robert Naylor's probably doesn't doesn't count as a celebrity, but have you noticed on celebrity Wikipedia pages, they whoever picks the picture always seems to choose like the ugliest picture <laughs> they could find. Like even for celebrities that are like very good looking, it always seems that the picture is like. It's not a very good one. I can't think of any examples, but I think of that whenever I end up on a Wikipedia page. <laughs> I can't. I can't say I've noticed that trend. Um, but, but yeah, I, I I believe it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, Wikipedia people tend to have some sort of opinion on the people that are writing about. So, you know, maybe <laughs> that's it. Let's see. What what's a random actor? Let's let's test out your hypothesis right now on the fly. All right, with one example. Here we go. Adam Driver. That's an actor. Um, well, I thought we were looking for attractive actors. <laughs> oh, 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 shit. Oh, oh. I, I, just, I just demolished Adam Driver. <laughs> uh, okay. Did okay you that was the, unnecessarily did, mean. Did you put this picture that giving your beef with Adam Driver? Was it you who picked I don't know, beef with Adam Driver. Okay, now you do. Just, okay, sorry, Adam. If you're listening, um... Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> no apology. He doesn't care. He doesn't. He's not sorry one bit. He just, he just wants to listen. Don't forget to subscribe, Adam uh, Driver. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, okay. So I guess we're not going to test out this hypothesis, given our maybe dirt, another time. Maybe we'll, we'll we'll plan something out. Well, another event in the future. But anyway. All right. Let's let's move on over. To here, speaking of things that are ugly, did you see those helmets the Golden Knights were wearing? <laughs> bang, boom, bang, bang. And they're okay. This is my first note. I have all right. So at the top of this this note, it says fusion because that's how it always. By the top of my notes always says, I have Vegas three, San Jose one, Tuesday, March first. Dumbass gold helmets make them look like those Star Wars robots or medieval warriors or some shit. It's pathetic. <laughs> You know what? Okay, I don't know about pathetic. I think I think you're beefing too hard against these helmets. Um, like, look, the the my notes also start off with exactly the same thing as just the word helmet. Um, and I and I knew that I would remember exactly what I meant by that comment. Um, and uh, yeah, they got the they got the tacky gold helmets that I think they, they announced at the beginning of the year. I think we talked about them and then forgot about them, and because I know I did, uh, and I was shocked, absolutely taken aback, uh, when they, when they showed up on my screen um so you know they got the gold helmets and uh you know what like see like they do they look stupid objectively so but i can't hate on them because you know it's fun it's like it's stupid fun and you know i know it's not it seems like i don't know it seems like they're taking themselves too seriously on this one too as organ like as corporations seem to do and uh, i'm happy to laugh at them and it, it makes me slightly happy i gotta say 
Because it's so, it's like, if you think about See, it, helmets are just a hat, and they're just wearing a giant fucking shiny hat. And I think that's very funny. See, I don't think they're taking themselves seriously enough. They look like a total joke out there. <laughs> they look like, yeah, they look like that. I've never even seen Star Wars, and I was like, they look like that gold robot from Star Wars. Oh, yeah, that guy. It, it looked like they were all some kind of metallic robot skating around, and it was borderline unwatchable it nearly ruined the game for me and it it wasn't a it wasn't a particularly interesting game to begin with um and perhaps that made it even less bearable um but i've got to say if i never see those golden knights helmets ever again i'll be very pleased i for one think they should continue to wear these colanders on their head every game um i think it's great i think it's very distracting for the opponent all right Imagine, I don't know, Keegan Colasar bearing down on you and he has a fucking metal hat on his head and it's shining and it blinds you. You know, I think that's fantastic. Did you pick Keegan Colasar because he scored the first goal of the game? I, I did, actually. I, it's the first name that came to mind because I just looked at his name <laughs> on the list. Um, so, yeah, there we go. What a great transition. Speaking of Keegan Colasar, uh, he kicked off the scoring of this uh, Golden Knight Sharks game. Uh, nice little two-on-one from Brett Howden. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they made it one nothing. Then a little... And so, yeah, they, they basically... The, the Golden Knights throughout this game, including the beginning, they really, you know, played the, the typical Golden Knights style that we've expected over the last, I don't know, six years now. Um, very, you know, possession-dominant. And they work off the cycle. Five, my bad. Uh, but, uh, and yeah, so... And they, they started that game. Just like that, the, the Sharks really didn't have much going. Uh, even their their lone goal that to, end, to tie it up one one off of a like a bit of a broken play, you know, like Bonino whiffs and it goes right to it was a Noah Gregor who scored. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, then it was then I think it was Riley Smith who scored from Jonathan Marshall, made it two one. Uh, and uh, yeah, the Sharks didn't really do much after that. It was just really all Vegas Golden Knights. Um, you know, they just had possession, pinned them in their own zone. Uh, I think Smith scored again to make it 3-1. Uh, that line, I, honestly, was clicking all week. I thought that was the, the one line on the Golden Knights, the Smith, Marcheseau, and Carlson line. Um, they were really, with you know Stone and Pacioretty both out, um, this is clearly the the, the first line. Uh, even if they don't have the best center, um, they're up and away the, the best line on this team. Yeah, I was thinking about how insane it is that that line has stuck together throughout the almost now five full seasons of Vegas Golden Knights existence from the very beginning to the very end. It's really crazy because not only did like what line sticks together that long, but also especially on Vegas, there's been so much turnover, uh, but they've all stayed on the team and there has not been a single significant stretch that they've been split up. And, you know, a lot of times lines, well, especially lines without like it's not like Landis Scott making in the Ranton where it's a bunch of superstars. I mean, they're they're very good players, um, but you know it's not every day that you see a line like that stick together for that long and stay that effective for this long. I'm sure they've had some cold stretches in there, um, but I think that uh, that Vegas would be pretty idiotic to do what some are speculating may happen and trade Riley Smith to clear up cap space to, to bring back like to bring Mark Stone and and or Alec Martinez off LTIR. Uh, and I don't think they will. I think that they're just going to, you know, keep Stone or on LTIR for the rest of regular season or rotate him in and out with, you know, Eichel or Pacioretty or whatever or 
Petrangelo. I'm sure you can find an excuse to put him there if you wanted to, and then get full power once the playoffs come around. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. You you can't get rid of him at this point. You know they used what the the misfits line on the broadcast, and I like I was like, oh yeah, Boom. that was. <laughs> first of all, I did I I forgot completely forgot about that nickname, and B, I was like, oh shit, these were the three the entire time, uh, and that's when it occurred to me that. Yeah, okay, it seems like it's the same three dudes um, that, that stuck around. So good for them on that aspect. Um, yeah, I want to talk about that, that whole cap situation because it's interesting. Um, you have Because, you know, with Eichel back in the fold and his massive cap hit, uh, they're like, they need, like it's the, it's the talk of the town when it comes to cap management in this league. Uh, it's the Golden Knights because, you know, they have a bunch of players on LTIR right now and they can't fit them all back onto the roster. Um, and, you know, there have been talks of maybe, you know, trading a couple pieces uh, so that you know, you can bring them back when they're healthy. Um, and others who think that they'll just, you know, as you mentioned, keep Stone uh, or whoever it is or Pacioretty on the IR for the rest of, for the rest of the regular season. Um, but man, that that got, that that feels kind of rusty. Like you know, like uh, like that feels kind of risky because they risk being rusty when it comes to the team chemistry because you have so many rotating pieces, right? Well, I go back in the fold. Um, you want to at least give some time some runway uh, for, you know, that Pacioretty Stone Eichel, if that's what you were going to roll with on your first line, uh, that line to gel a bit. Because, you know, you see the value of a line that's able to gel properly. It's just look at the Smith, you know, the, the Smith Marshall's line right now. Um, they're rolling and you can tell that they're all extremely used to their ga- their style of gameplay uh, and their chemistry is pretty fucking insane. And there, there was one goal in particular where I think it was it was Smith or anyways, it was, it was just some, it was some pass where it was like, Wow, it seems like they knew exactly where they were going to be, uh, and it ended up mm. in a goal. Yeah, I can see that. Um, which is why you might remember right after Eichel was traded to Vegas, I was thinking, well, we know Patcheretti Stevenson Stone has been a very good line. Um, what's the harm in when you have a fully healthy Vegas team leaving that line together and letting Eichel? run his own line so you have the misfits line the patch ready stevenson stone line which was a great top six to begin with and i have jack eichel running his own line with whoever you want and i think that's kind of what he's doing now with like patch ready and stone were both injured early in this week he was he was he was on the line with dodonov and stevenson so but i don't know dodonov and nick Wah or whatever and you know that might kind of solve the problem with you've been having with uh not wanting to have players that are totally unfamiliar with each other, like Eichel and Stone would be. On the other hand, I've, I've imagined that Jack Eichel and Mark Stone are both good enough that even if they have the worst chemistry in the world, it would not be disastrous, and you could split them up quite easily early in the playoffs. So I don't think... Well, I mean, you know, if if you were able to have them play together before the playoffs started, that'd be, of course, a big help. But I don't, there's no reason at all that, like, trading Alec Martinez or something like that, just so they can get a little familiar with each other for, like, a month before the playoffs start, that makes, that makes no sense to me. No, no, it doesn't. Um, So I guess <laughs> you, you, uh, you know, cross your fingers that someone gets a mysterious injury that has them back just in time for the playoffs. Um, So you can shuffle around some, some deck chairs. Uh, So, uh. Yeah, I mean, if you're Jack Eichel, do you really want to play with Nick Raw on your wing, though? You know? Uh, <laughs> I well, what's he doing right now? Well, he's playing with Chandler Stevenson there. Right, right. But, but you know, you understand because Pacioretty's injured, Stone's injured. Um, but, I, you know, I could imagine him being unhappy if everybody, when everybody's back and everybody's healthy. Uh, he's looking at himself as, like, the third-line center with fucking Evgeny Dadanov and Nick Raw next to him. 
uh, and he's got to carry You're, that line. I think that's the, that's the exact same point you brought up last time, and now I'm going to retaliate with the exact same thing, which is, who cares? Okay. Literally, who cares how happy Jack Eichel is? <laughs> you know, put, put, him on the, put him on the line with two wingers that are not as good as your top six wingers, uh, and now have three rocking awesome lines, and then you'll win, and then Jack Eichel will be happy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, he's stuck now, now that he's committed to Vegas. Uh, all right. So uh, unless you have anything else to say about that San Jose game, because uh, uh, I don't, um, we can move on to uh, the Bruins game, uh, where it was uh, it was one sided but the other way around. The Bruins uh, kind of kicked them around, and you know the Ve- the Golden Knights couldn't get their uh, their cycle game going, and it really seemed like the Bruins uh, were the better team all night. Um, so uh, to go through the scoring a little bit, you got you got Craig Smith uh, opening the scoring off a. Uh, a shitty neutral zone turnover by Ben Hutton. Uh, and, uh, you know, Lander probably should have saved that puck too. Uh, make it one nothing. Then uh, Bruins went up 2 nothing off, uh, off, what was it, another Craig Smith goal. Um, Indeed. There we go. Uh, Eichel scored a second goal of the Golden Knights to make it 2-1. Nice little breakaway goal. Uh, and then, uh, but after that, you had a bunch of defensive miscues. Uh, and let's see who scored. Pasternak scored. Uh, and then you had Craig Smith getting the hattie um with uh laner down on the ice because he was a little lost uh march or so yet again sc- scoring to make a 4-2 uh but uh Pasternak was spectacular this game i found he was like really fucking buzzing Golden knights had no answer for him whatsoever scored the empty net goal and uh it was 5-2 and it was never really close for the golden knights uh you could tell all night long uh boston was uh the more ready team my top note for this game is vegas back to their regular helmets very thankful <laughs> <laughs> Let's say who were very and I was okay. Very thankful. Yeah, uh, not Thanksgiving, but I was thankful anyway. Very grateful. Uh, yeah, saying focus on Vegas more so than Boston, I guess. Uh, that Eichel goal stuck out to me for obvious reasons, besides the fact that it was a goal. But he really just, you know, flipped a switch and did c- kind of similar to what we were talking about. What McKinnon did. Uh, it was either last week or the week before. Uh, which I guess we kind of probably would talk about pretty frequently if we talked about Nathan McKinnon all the time, where he finds a new gear for five seconds and becomes unstoppable. Jack Eichel just kind of blew by Eric Howla. I had a breakaway that he made out of thin air out by himself pretty much. And I didn't feel much doubt that he was gonna that he was gonna score there, even though Jeremy Swayman had had a great game up until that point. Yeah, no, he actually I think he bobbled that puck in the end, right? Um, <laughs> right before he ended up scoring and it kind of slid through Swayman's legs. But uh, yeah, no, he it was clear. He just like he mu- he out muscled his way. He was faster than the defenseman. Uh, and uh, you know, that's uh that's that's the Jack Eichel that we remember pre uh fucking neck injury. Um aside from that, you know, like Vegas prior to this week uh had been going through a a, a skid. Um wherein like if you look at the standings, even right now, they're barely above the Oilers right now. Uh and you know, they're they're like seven points behind the Flames. The Flames have two games in hand, so it doesn't seem like they're going to be, you know, winning the Pacific. Uh, and, you know, they're even behind the Kings right now. So, uh, you know, uh, and this game was uh, a bit of a red flag in that sense because uh, it seems like they fell back, you know, after, you know, kind of dominating the Sharks. Um, th- this this was the game where I was like, wow, they really didn't seem like they were ever in the game uh, against the Bruins. And I get that, you know, Pacioretty's out, Stone's out, so we don't know what this team's like when it's healthy. Um, but we don't, like, they're not going to be back for a while, as far as we know. Uh, and, 
you know, we're kind of edging on some dangerous territory uh, where they're like closer to missing out on a playoff spot. Then it's like, now I don't think in any circumstance they're going to miss the playoffs. I don't think they're, you know, they're too good for that at this point, uh, even on a skid. Um, but, you know, it was a bit alarming watching them. I was like, you know, I thought they would put up more of a fight against the Bruins. Laner wasn't fantastic. He hasn't had a great season at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they look kind of shaky. And this, this Bruins, and I knew that coming into the week, and this Bruins game kind of, you know, pushed me in that direction a bit. Yeah, in the Pacific right now, they're third place based on points and by points percentage. But in the West as a whole, they are eighth, which doesn't really matter. Uh, but Dallas and Nashville, who are in the first and second wildcard spots, are above them in the standings. And yeah, as you said, they're two points up on the Oilers with the same amount of games played for that third divisional spot. So it's, you know, much too close for comfort for Vegas. And, you know, these obviously Tampa, the last two years, has won the Stanley Cup, deploying the, you know, stashed someone on LTIR. Uh, Last year, of course, was Nikita Kucherov, didn't play the entire regular season, and then is one of the best players in the world's World Cup playoff time. So, you know, you kind of see if we want to win a Stanley Cup, we probably have to have a team that is over the cap and good on Vegas for doing that. But it comes with this risk that, all right, if we have one or two of our best players not on the team for basically the entire season, it makes it a little bit harder to make the playoffs for us compared to Tampa Bay, who's doing just fine, who would be doing just fine without Nikita Kucherov like they did last year. Right. So, you know, all this to say they're not the Lightning. Uh, speaking of LTR, actually, I it's crazy how many fucking LTR teams there are at this point. Like, it feels like, you know, it was a bit of a phenomenon, and then now it's kind of exploded. Um, I think it has to do with the flat cap. You know, teams are more cap-strapped than ever. But, I mean, I'm looking at Cap Brandley. You look at their homepage, uh, and the teams that have at least one player on LTIR, there's, like, like more than half the league. Um, so, you know, feels like, feels like everybody's playing a little NHL, like 2k, um, you know, managing the cap. Um, but yeah, no, this is, uh, I mean, this is what the situation that they got themselves in, right. Uh, with with the cap, when you acquire that big Eichel cap hit, um, they knew that they knew this was going to be happening, uh, either way, either that, or they're going to have to trade one of the players. Um, but, but even then, um, I don't know. I kind of expected them to be a bit less fragile, even though, you know, you have Stone and Patrick, obviously two, you know massive losses it's still a talented roster uh and uh i don't know i didn't think they were this fragile heading into this you know heading into this kind of time of year i agree um there is something kind of i don't know uninspiring about their depth um and obviously you know, we, we think back of you know that inaugural season for the golden knights and how magical or whatever it kind of felt and how, you know, that inevitably, inevitably, like, wears off over time. But it feels like the Vegas management made such an effort after that to go out and acquire, you know, marquee names. So that, like, in Stone, Pacioretty, Eichel, Petrangelo, Fleury's gone, and Robin Leonard's there. And it kind of feels like a, like a totally different makeup of a, of a team now. And obviously, you know, it's still a very good team. It's probably not a bad thing to acquire star players, but it's the depth may, you know, suffer as a, as a result of that and leave you with, you know, guys like Jonas Ronbjörg and Jake LeCision and Michael Amadio hanging around your bottom six all the time. Yeah, I think, you know, when you think about it, though, I think that's probably um, certainly a more correct way to approach roster building than dumping money into your top six. 
um, as long as you you find a way like Tampa has uh, in years to you know tr- to de- churn out and develop young players who slot in well uh, as depth roles. Um, you know, I don't hate the approach. Um, it just seems that uh, may- maybe with this whole gap shenanigans that they're pulling, maybe they got one too many players. Uh, they got tempted one too many times. But I don't hate the approach. Though. I can't say I do. Um, it's just that. Even you know, given this collection of players, I understand a couple of them are injured. That's everything we say. You know, has you have to take it with that kind of grain of salt. Um, but even then, uh, I, I I expect it a bit better, to be completely honest. Yeah, I think Petrangelo is the one that hurts out yeah. of all those tempting players, because mm-hmm. uh, he's you know he's thirty two already, almost nine million dollars, signed till twenty twenty seven. I don't know exactly what the metrics are like lately, but I know he started the season off terribly, um, and you know he's surrounded with. Well, who's it? Well, Martinez is injured, but besides him and Shea Theodore, right now, it's Ben Hutton, Zach Whitecloud, Nicholas Haig, and Dylan Coglin, who are all I'd call bottom pair defensemen at best. So you know, if say in theory you don't sign Petrangelo, I, it's not a given that you're going to have a bunch of better defensemen than that. Um, but that looks like the a contract that could potentially turn into. And albatross in the near future. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's you're right. That's probably the one, the one big star that, yeah, you, you don't want to give that next contract. Um, but you know, they're they're cup chasing. They're clearly, um, very focused, almost obsessively, and you know, as management team should be, but whatever. Um, on winning the cup, right? Uh, and they think this is the approach, and they're they're throwing everything at the wall. Uh, that's what it feels like. Isn't that crazy that we like think of it as a novelty? Like this team is clearly trying their very best <laughs> to win the championship, and we're like, "Wow, amazing! <laughs> what a revolutionary concept!" Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, but it feels it feels rare somehow. Like like last year when Ken Holland was like, "You know, you can't be all in every year." Like, what are you talking about? You can't be all in every year. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it, it's it's uh it's. It is pretty fucked uh, how the league runs uh, in that aspect. I mean, like you look at the Lightning; uh, they it seems like they go in all year. Uh, how many? I don't think they have a pick uh, between the second. Like they don't have a second round pick, third round pick, fourth round pick. Their prospect pool sucks, but you know they went all in. Breezeball went all in. I went all in every year. They get some new young guys who chip in very well in the lineup. Yeah. So uh, that's that's how to run an organization. It's not to uh, hedge your bets when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle on your team. Um, Yep. All right. Uh, yeah. So off to the uh, the third game of the week, um, to the uh, to the Ducks, uh, a game that they won five four, uh, and uh, yeah, and I can't I can't say this game was totally notable. Um, yet again, one major note for me was like uniform related, and I was like, oh cool, the Ducks are wearing <laughs> the Mighty Ducks jersey. That's fun. Did I watch? Have I watched the movie? No. Um, but it's novel, and the color's kind of nice, so I appreciated that change. Mm-hmm. I watched the movie once a long time ago, and I, I'm, at the time, I was like, oh, this is fun. But also at the time, I was like 10. I'm sure if I watched it now, I'd be like, wow, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Uh, anyway, one of my notes for this game uh, is that just like when we did the Penguins, Chad Ruedel scored, and then he was immediately rewarded with a, with a two-year contract extension. In this game, another player of extremely similar caliber, Ben Hutton, scored and he got a two-year extension the very next day just like chad ruweedle did so so good for mr hutton securing those dollars yeah it was a nice goal you gotta hand it to him nice nice little shot from the high slot um to, to tie it up 
But uh, I don't know if I'd call it a million dollar goal. Um, but apparently it was according to management. Um, you know, so so that's that. Over a million for over two years. Oh, there we go. What is he, 800K per year? Something like that? 850K. Wow. Not bad. Not bad for Ben fucking Hutton. So uh, good for him, securing a little job in the NHL. Um, so yeah, get into the game. Uh, you had Laurent Brassois in net and immediately showed his ass uh, on that Silverberg goal where he just, oh yeah, terrible angle shot. And like this guy's completely lost in the sauce. Uh, <laughs> goes right through his legs. <laughs> Doesn't even go down. I'm not sure he was awake. Yeah. I'm not sure he was awake. Um, but uh, you know, bad way to start the game. Uh, and if you're trying to like, you know, if you're Laurent Bossois caliber goalie, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I don't know why they would have traded Mark Andre Fleury away. Anyway, Ben Hutton. I always when I think of this, remember last year he was the one at the deadline who the Ducks traded to the Leafs, and then the video started circulating of like when he was on the Canucks and they had some kind of karaoke thing and he was uh lip syncing to Barbie girl and everyone was like wow this is remarkable personality that he's showing <laughs> and that, it was pretty funny um but anyway that's what I think of when I think of Ben Hutton um yeah anyway Lauren Bruswell let me look up his numbers because he did not look very good in that game for the most part especially maybe that first goal is what's really clouding my judgment it was a bad one and Robin Leonard didn't look very good in um the game right before I did have a note from that game, though, that was like, Robin Leonard is probably by far the most entertaining goalie in the NHL. Like, whether he's, whether he's you know, at the top of his game or doing terribly, he's always very remarkable to watch. <laughs> very, you know, flamboyant. Kind of reminds me of Tim Thomas in that way. But there's something very strange going on this year with goaltending, where it seems that a lot of very good teams, or at least playoff teams, have question marks. Uh, for goaltending and every year we're talking about like oh these teams like who are sellers might want to try selling their goalies but what playoff team is looking for a goalie and this year it seems like there are a lot of them and Mark andre Fleury might not even be on the market anymore so is someone going to get like a first round pick for like Braden Holpe wouldn't surprise me um I don't think Vegas is you know going to be uh really in the market for that it seems like they've made their bed with these two and also don't have any room to bring in someone new unless they like swapped out Brissois for someone else. Uh, but it feels like they've kind of, you know, as I said, made their bed with these players. And if it doesn't work out, then, uh, then it doesn't work out. Yeah, no, it, it has been a strange year. Um, aside from maybe like Vasilevsky, uh, has there any, has there really been a, or anxious Durkin? Um, everybody's had their ups and downs, notably, you know, like a Jack Campbell. And Peter Mrazek right now completely melting down in Toronto. Um, but, you know, as you said, other places. And, uh, yeah, Vegas, big question mark coming out of this this week. Uh, and and this little stretch, too. Uh, I, I, I forget off the top of my head what Laner's uh, save percentage off the, uh, on the year was. Um, but, 907. Uh, 907. So not very good at all. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, but not much you can do uh, for Vegas. Uh, as you said, they, they made their bed. They got to line it now. Um, and, uh, yeah, as for the entertainment factor... Um, it really was peak entertainment when they had a, the Flurry Laner tandem, uh, because I would say Flurry's pretty flamboyant in that too. Um, so you know, the good old days. Uh, anyways, back to the game. Um, it was one one, and then it was uh, and then uh, Marcheso. It's that Marcheso Carson uh, line again, and uh, he scored to make it two one. Then you had uh, Nick fucking Del- Nick Delorier. Let's go, former half. <laughs> yeah, scoring out the point. <laughs> to make it 2-2. Um, and then uh, you have Nick Roy, the aforementioned Nick Roy. Maybe, maybe Jack Eichel wants to score, play with him now after he scored two goals in this game. 
Good for him. Of course. Uh, and then you had Mike Amadio scoring to make a 5-2. So some some depth scoring against the Ducks. Uh, and at that point, you know, they just kind of held on for the rest of the way. Ducks were the better team in the third period. They made a 5-4. Um, but uh, I, would, I wouldn't say they were too close because uh, as we've seen with the Ducks, they're not a very good team. So, uh, you know, you had Ziegler score, you had Troy Terry score. But, uh, and, and man, Russell did not look good on that Troy Terry goal either. Uh, he was he was down early uh, and then was in no position to adjust whatsoever. Uh, but but even then, Ducks couldn't score that big one. Yeah, Michael Amadio had a three-point game. Jonathan Marcheseau continuing to rock the world for my fantasy team. Thanks to you, Tysay, again for trading him to me so graciously in exchange for Jacob Chikrin in the most glorious trade I've ever made. My pleasure. Um, and uh, I want to talk about Nick Rossum more, actually, because I was thinking that's a an underratedly great trade that Vegas made to acquire that player. Do you, do you remember? Do you know what the trade was? No, do you have I any have, idea? I have zero recollection. I don't even remember what team right, this, was on before. Okay. I don't think he ever actually played in the NHL before. Or maybe played like two games. Yeah. Anyway, he was ranked in the hockey news in his draft year 2015 as like a first round player. He was ranked like number 18 or something like that. And for one reason or another, he ended up falling all the way to the fourth round, 96th overall, uh, where the Hurricanes took him. Um, He was known for being the last player on Team Canada in the World Juniors in 2017 to not score in that Troy Terry shootout where Team USA won the gold medal. Then he was all sad about it, understandably. Anyway, he he was traded in 2019 to Vegas for Eric Howla. And, I mean, Carolina, Carolina did end up, you know, trading Eric Halla to Florida as part of the Vincent Trocek deal. So that kind of worked out nicely for them, uh, you could possibly say. But, I mean, for for Eric Halla, who was, like, kind of just a cap-clearing move, they ended up getting a player who was younger and has turned out to be better. Yeah, certainly a nice bit of business. Now, uh, seems like seems like Halla was, a, was, he was like the centerpiece around that fucking Trocek trade, wasn't he? Um, so... Maybe you should have gone for Vincent Trocek back then. Uh, but no, that's a stupid hypothetical. And uh, yeah, there we go. He's, he's a solid depth piece. You'll have to see it. Um, and uh, I mean, that's the way to go, right? You make smart little trades to, to get cheap players that can contribute to depth. Um, is, is the way to fill out depth. And it's not, you know, the Jim Benning way. <laughs> yeah. Um, to conclude Vegas, I feel like we really should stress that this team is like not close to being at full power. And I could absolutely see they get to the playoffs. Stone comes back. Alec Martinez comes back. Maybe Nolan Patrick comes back. The line combinations click. Robin Leonard gets back to form. And all of a sudden, this team cruises to the Stanley Cup final. I think that's absolutely within the realm of possibility. Because we have no idea how good this team is going to be when all the players are there. Yeah, so it's a a big time unknown. You're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's there's enough talent on this team uh, to uh, to make a cup run. And uh, you know, now with everybody on LTIR, maybe they'll just be you know that much more rested for the playoffs. So so watch out in that sense. A lot of them don't, haven't had to go through the uh, 82 game grind, even though they've been injured. Uh, I question how injured they really are. Could they play right now if it was a playoff game? I would wager, yes. perhaps. But that's the thing with like the LTIR is people go, you know the vast majority of NHL players are, you know, hurt in some way. And 
it could very possibly be a smart thing to do for their long-term health to take time off and heal it. So in that sense, you know, um, is it that all oh, Mark Stone is healthy enough to play or is it that none of the other Vegas Golden Knights are healthy enough to play, but they should be playing anyway? Yeah, no, you're, uh, I, I, I kind of got lost on that last sentence. I was, uh, oh, yeah, I've said it wrong. None of the other Vegas Golden Knights are healthy to play, but they are playing anyway. Right. That's what I meant to say. There we go. Um, so, yeah. And, and now that allows you that little cap manipulation. Um, but, you know, to your point about the, the, the player health, it's definitely a boon for them to take that extra time to recover. Uh, and uh, it's uh, just a, a coincidence, a very, very convenient and pleasant coincidence that, uh, you know, Vegas just barely squeezes under the cap. Mm-hmm. I find it so... I was going to say I find it hard to believe, but the National Hockey League is so mind-numbingly stupid that I don't actually find it that hard to believe that the NHL doesn't really seem to care about closing this loophole um, just for the fact that it hurts the product when every single year you have superstar players sitting on the sidelines to you know circumvent the salary cap. You'd think the NHL would try to find a way that their star players are playing more games, but what do I know? Yeah, I think, uh, well, there's a couple points to that. I think, first of all, uh, the general managers typically run the policy on this league. And uh, with a flat cap, and their jobs are so challenging and tough, um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't dare make it harder than on themselves. Um, so I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't see it ever happening, uh, especially with, you know, the NHL isn't particularly marketing-minded. Uh, and so, you know, why would the general managers take away that that toy for themselves? Uh, and uh, on the other hand, I also uh, think it's fine. I think it's good for the players to, you know, get some rest and to, uh, you know, power up. Not power up. To get healthy. That, that's I don't know why I said power up. Eat that big Super Mario mushroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's always it's always better for the players to, you know, I'm I'm I would like you know I am uh, for player safety and health. Um, not to say that you aren't, but. Uh, you know, whenever there's a chance to uh, minimize the kind of like, oh, I'll get in there and play kind of mentality, I can't say I'm totally against it. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, um, that's it on on Vegas. There were, as you know, nothing happened again for the second week in a row, uh, except for two trades that was a goalie traded for nothing. Montreal traded Michael McNeven to Calgary for future considerations. Andrew Hammond got immediately injured, so now Montreal is back to two healthy goalies in the entire organization. And uh, the Oilers traded Alex Stalock, who recently, I don't know the detail, I don't sure if he's recovered from his heart condition, but I do know that he was healthy enough that he was back playing the AHL, and he was just traded uh, to the Sharks, a team he's been on before, uh, for nothing. So that's what all the trade action this week. So what we decided we would do, is uh, take this opportunity to do a very vague and directionless trade deadline preview because the deadline is now 15 days away as the time we're recording. Uh, Very probably less than that by the time you are listening. Uh, And I pulled up TSN Hockey's trade bait list, which is one of the most interesting lists in the world every single year. Down Goes Brown has a joke. You can always tell how interesting a deadline is going to be by how much you have to scroll down till you see Luke Glendening's name. And lucky, lucky for us, 
he's not even on the list this year. So yeah. it's shaping up to be one of the more uh, one of the more eventful trade deadlines we've had in a long time. Yeah, tons of names um, in the Eastern Conference, as we mentioned before. Uh, we've already seen that stratification of teams. Um, you know, we we basically know the eight teams that are going to make the playoffs now, uh, and that means we know the eight teams that won't and that are going to sell their players. Uh, so that that shapes up to uh, for a uh, lots of names on the block because uh, you know teams that want to unload their expiring contracts um, before they walk for nothing because they know they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, and uh, yeah, I. That sounds good. And I just want to talk about for a minute. Yeah, I cannot believe how nothing is going on the last two weeks. Uh, it's it's almost mind blowing. Um, you know, in the hockey world, it's just it's just games, and it seems like uh, everybody's taking a little break. And uh, I just think that's very interesting in the middle of the season in March. I feel like that doesn't happen too often. But uh, here we are. Want to hear something interesting? Here's how we can start this trade deadline preview. Oh. I was just looking at the list, looking at the top ten, and immediately a deal popped out to me. And I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. Well, I'm not exactly. I'm just going to tell you like the bare bones of it. Because as we know, Jake DeBrusque requested a trade out of Boston. And that trade request is still on the table. And after he scored a hat trick uh, the other day or, the, or a week and a half ago or something, people started talking about it again. Like, oh, you know, are they going to want to keep him since he just scored a hat trick or some dumb shit like that? <laughs> um, and everyone was saying, no. Uh, well, maybe Boston will want to keep him. Um, but what I think when I think of DeBrusque is maybe something similar to what we saw last year with the Anthony Manta trade, where Detroit traded Manta to Washington for Jakob Verana, Richard Ponick, and like a first and a second or something. And the consensus was that was lopsided in Detroit's favor because M- Manta is probably only a little bit better than Verana. And Washington also threw these valuable futures Detroit's way. Um, for this, for that minor upgrade on second line left wing, so I was looking at this list. You know, Boston, if they are trading to Brest, they probably want an upgrade since they're a playoff team. Uh, and the name Ricard Raquel caught my eye, who is making only a little bit more than what Jake DeBrusque is making, and is also a rental. Whereas DeBrusque, uh, well, DeBrusque is an RFA, but. Uh, he'll be under team control. Raquel is a UFA at the end of the season, but both their contracts are up at the end of this year. And I see something kind of similar maybe happening where Raquel goes to Boston in exchange for DeBrusque and some futures that's lopsided in Anaheim's favor because Boston's kind of trying to get rid of DeBrusque anyway, even though he's pretty good. All right. That seems like a very, uh, not an idealistic one, but a very realistic one. Um, very, 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 very specific with... Uh... Boston's gonna overpay like the the whole Manta Verona comparison. Um, yeah, for Boston though, staying on that team, I feel like they're looking for you know to to fill that second center role, um, or at least some sort of center depth. With like who, who's their second line center? Is it still Curtis Lazar um, behind Charlie Bertrand? Coyle? I okay, think sure. is okay, the right. second best one. Okay, uh, so uh, you know they would look. I, I would think that they would look to shore it up. Um, you know, if we're looking at names on this list. Uh, Thomas Hurdle, I mean, he's gonna definitely gonna be on the trade block. Um, I imagine he's going to be incredibly expensive, uh, in terms of assets because he's been having a great season. But, uh, I mean, if I'm Boston and you're only gonna get so many kicks at the can, uh, with, with this core, with, you know, Marshine, we don't know what Bergeron's gonna do next year, uh, and, and Pasternak, uh, this seems like a, like a, pretty solid fit if you can like scrounge the assets together to acquire hurdle what do you think yeah that's uh also because i feel like 
Boston's kind of had a thing for Czech players for a while. Maybe that's just kind of a coincidence that, like, you know, they had Pasternak and David Krejci. But I feel like people have been mock trading Hurdle to the Bruins for a while. Um, and, but, yeah, as you say, it would be incredibly expensive. And honestly, any second-line center, like a or one worth his salt, you're acquiring at the deadline is going to be remarkably expensive. I can Is there a recent example of, like, a player like that moving? I can't really think of one. But the fact that Boston has DeBrusque as a potential trade ship who's under team control and also pretty good and is clearly not as good as Thomas Hurdle or Ricard Raquel. Uh, but that definitely can, you know, add some, a lot of value for this. All right. He'll kind of sort of take his, take this player's spot on your roster for now. Uh, and the other massive name that could potentially be a great fit at second line center is JT Miller. Um, because, I mean, he does he? No, he has one year left after this. J.T. Miller does, um. So that wouldn't exactly be a rental, but uh, apparently he is uh kind of wanting out of Vancouver too, or they want him out of there or something. Because remember, early this year we were talking about there's like a rift in the locker room and like him and Bo Horvat weren't getting along or some kind of rumor like that. So it would seem J.T. Miller's days in Vancouver are numbered, but he's still producing incredibly well. So I mean, either him or Hurdle. Makes total sense for Boston to gun for. Yeah, with man, JT Miller, I cannot believe how productive he's been. Like he's uh I mean everybody talks about him, you know, but in terms of trade bait. Uh but uh like he's what, sixty points at this point in the season? Like that's so that's so stupid. Um but uh but yeah, Vancouver, I just saw the rumor that they'd rather not trade JT Miller, which like fair enough. Um but uh I forget who their general manager is now. Who the hell is it Rutherford? Rutherford. Okay, it's Rutherford. Yeah. Okay. Um Man, if I'm Rutherford, why the hell not? This team's not going anywhere. Uh, I mean, they got some nice pieces, but he's 29. What are you going to do? Resign him on his next contract? You want to compete next year? Which is it? You have to pick one or the other. Um, and, uh, you know, with a full season left, so you're talking about two playoff runs, you could get a, a King's Ransom for JT Miller. Uh, and, I mean, if they really want to sell, they want to sell like Besser and Garland uh, at the same time, you could you could realistically very well kick off your your reboot immediately. Yeah, I'm very torn on like, because all those names are on this trade bait list, like almost back to back. Not quite. They're split up by Arturi Lekkanen, actually. It's number 22, Brock Besser, then Connor Garland, Arturi Lekkanen, and JT Miller. Uh, I, do, I don't see any situation where Jim Rutherford trades all three of those players and basically, you know, you know, obliterates his top six for the most part. Um, Maybe one of them, maybe, but I don't think that makes sense. Even if this team, well, that's not, I was going to say, even if this team was doing a total teardown, which they aren't, but then it would make sense. I'm still a non-understander of the trade Brock Besser camp um, because he's really good and he's still pretty young. He's, I think, like just turned 25 and he's under team control still. He's on a very reasonable contract and... He's not even he's not at the top of his value either. He's kind of been shooting cold this year. So I think, you know, you trade JT Miller, as you said, you get him at top value. He's 29. He shouldn't be a part of your future. Brock Besser, I think is a totally different story. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if the trade is there though. Um I mean, it's not it's not like he's got a a long-term contract locked in at a decent rate. He's an RFA at the end of the year. Um and so, you know, you assume that he's going to get a decent raise. Uh, and 
I mean, if you don't want to commit, you don't want to commit. And so at that point you, you trade him away. Um, you know, no, yeah. no point having him stick around for on, on one year contract till you walk him to UFA cause he doesn't want to be around or you don't think he, he's quite the fit. Um, and it doesn't sound like they're in love with him to be totally honest. So, you know, that's why his, his name's been floating out there as, and you know, the, the latest report is that they'd rather trade him than JT Miller. So, you know, take that, take that as you will. So basically, this is with the what the using the logic of JT Miller is playing better than Brock Besser this year. We want to keep the good player and trade the one who's not as good right now. That's the mindset. Yes. Well, yeah, I can't say he's the smartest one, uh, but it's uh, it's, it's <laughs> hockey brain. What do you want? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we were talking before about goalies. Uh, Holtby is here at number nineteen on the trade bait list. Ilya Samsonov is here at twenty six. I think it's pretty ridiculous. I know he hasn't been so great for the Capitals, but the only way I see him possibly moving is if you're getting a significantly better goalie because he's still, he's well, he's 25 now, according to this, uh, which is, you know, usually not the age where, or, or the age where I guess the goalies might start to hit their stride. Flurry is here, even though the latest reports are, oh, he uh, might not want to move. Corpusello's here, but he's absolutely terrible. And I'm not sure if I mentioned Alexander Georgiev, number eight on the trade trade rate list. He's an 897 this year. Far worse than the starting goalie for the Rangers, Igor Shesterkin. And I mean, I don't see how this makes any sense for the Rangers unless it's we're trading you to get a better backup goalie. We're trading you, you know, as part of the package for Braden Holtby or something like that. Uh, because otherwise, um, you're trading this guy who's in RFA at the end of the year, but his qualifying offer would be like about $2.5 million. So you probably don't qualify him because he hasn't been very good. Uh, and then you, I don't know, call up Keith Kincaid and make him your backup. Seems kind of uh, pointless. So I'm. it's weird, though. That he'd be this high on the list just for the, oh, yeah, they might try to get another backup and they'll trade him as part of the package. Yeah, so is this trade bait list like most likely to get traded or is it like It's caliber? a mix of, it's it's a, it's a very decidedly a strong mix of like, you know, Ben Chirot is probably almost definitely going to get traded, whereas Jacob Chikrin is like a maybe, but Jacob Chikrin's much better, so Jacob Chikrin's higher on the list. But Hampus Lindholm, who's also much better than Ben Chirot, is so much less likely to get traded that he's way down at number 14 on the list. Okay, yeah, all right, I see it. Um but yeah, like it doesn't you're right, it doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't see the logic where they trade Georgiev and you know they want to make a playoff run this year uh because they've been doing well behind uh Shesterkin where, you know, he's doing shit, but like you're right, what the hell is the point of trading him at this point? Um I mean, well, he's he's clearly you know you're not gonna get you're not gonna have a big market for Georgiev I think and to you're not gonna get that upgrade because it's you know there's like nobody on the market this year um like beside like who else is even who else is even there to to get like you want to get another backup in Corpus Allo or I mean who else Anton, arguably worse yeah Anton Forsberg's been a solid backup for fucking Ottawa but that's it right and you, and we we just talked about like how all these it's healthy. That's yeah, the one. yeah, and and we just talked about how all these Eastern or not all these Eastern Conference teams, but all these playoff teams, uh, a lot of them have question marks at goalie. Uh, you got to imagine that there's going to be a solid market for them, um, or at least all the general managers are going to be calling in, seeing what the price is, and so 
you know, what, what, what's, what's the point of, you know, trading away Georgiev uh, when you have no good plan behind him at all? And he's, you know, he's 26. So how dare you besmirch Keith Kincaid? The, Mr. Emoji. the emoji, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Emoji, yeah. Oh, here's a here's a good question. How I'm, I'm looking at his page. How many games did he play for Montreal? Oh, is it? I'm gonna guess ten. Seems generous though. But... The answer, the answer is six. Oh, okay. You know, those emojis made him so memorable in his time here. It's yes. crazy. He was only actually on the ice for six for like six times, um, and he was terrible. He was an eight seventy five. And a four twenty four <laughs> goals against average. And at the time we were like, Yeah, he's barely played, small sample size, and the team was doing terribly in early December. And we were like, Well, what do they they're in like a, an eight game losing streak? What do they do? And I think Andrew Berkshire for some reason sticks out to me. He tweeted that like flex seal meme where like the where the water is flooding out of the bucket. Yeah. And then the guy like puts the tape on and it's like, problem solved. And it was like Habs eight losing streak, eight game losing streak, and then he slaps the tape on and it's like wave the backup goalie. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh yeah. good times. We really like we talked about him like weekly. It was a weekly segment, wasn't it? Or some shit like that. We absolutely. talked about Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely an outsized influence. Um cuz uh, otherwise his stay here was uh re- unremarkable to remarkable for how bad he was on the ice. Yeah, and since then he's played 10 NHL games, all with the Rangers. Last season in nine games, he was an 898. This year in one game, a 935. So what I'm seeing from this is he is totally back of material. Wow. Trade Georgiev, get whatever you can, and call up the far superior Keith Kincaid. He's back in form, guys. It's confirmed. How old is he, like 35? Uh, he's in tip-top shape. Uh, 32. Ah, there we go. Even younger. Even younger than you would guess. That's how good he is. Uh, he's well, than you would guess. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying I'm a I'm generalizing for the public, so you know okay. he's young, everybody. All right. Uh, so yeah, moving on. Um, yeah, there's not much to talk, not much else to talk about in terms of the goaltending market because it is so so thin out there. Um, and here's the thing with Holtby also. Yeah. Dallas isn't even like uh, a guarantee to miss the play. They're actually in a playoff spot right now. Yeah. So and Brain Holtby is their very competent backup. So maybe they say, why don't we just keep him and make the playoffs with our team? That's okay. Uh, and then you can ask the same question about John Klingberg, a pending UFA who's requested a trade out of Dallas, and about Joe Pavelski, who's having an insanely good season and is also a pending UFA. And you have these these three valuable pieces who you could get an excellent haul for at the trade deadline. Um, or... You could finish in a wild card spot and probably get beat by the Flames in the first round. But you know what? If there's one team that can dilute in the West that can delude themselves into thinking they could make a cup run, it's probably the Stars. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you talk about all those pieces. They should definitely sell them. There's not a question about it. Uh, this team is uh, old. Its stars are older, not nearly as good as they used to be. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you don't stand a fucking chance in the playoffs. I apologize, but that is the truth. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully, especially Pavelski, oh, my God, imagine the haul you can get for him. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Klingberg's a no-brainer. He doesn't sound like, it, you know, they can come close uh, to, a, to a contract extension with him. So, uh, you know, sell them all. Sell them all, especially in this goaltending market. Um, but, you know, that's as I was saying, 
Dallas could probably tell them, you know, convince themselves that they can, we can do it again. We had the locker room experience. We made it to the cup final and shit like that. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah. They would, they would get a million pieces for Joe Pavelski. I'm so sure of it with how well he's producing and that he has, you know, the, the grizzled vet pedigree. He hasn't won a Stanley cup, but he's like the sharks fell apart when he left. So, you know, he has that to his name. Um, I'm surprised thing is like, especially of Klingberg, more teams haven't used what the blues did with Kevin Shattenkirk as like an example to follow in 2017. They were in a playoff spot. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk was a pending UFA and they gave their team. They said, we're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think we're good enough quite yet to win the Stanley cup trade. Kevin Shattenkirk get some futures. Two years later, they win the Stanley cup and Dallas, should be looking at their situation with John Klingberg and saying it's extremely similar. We should probably do what the Blues did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But teams, these teams can't be honest with themselves. They're never honest with themselves when, you know, these wild card bubble teams, even the ones that, you know, in, in years where there's like a little tight race for, you know, ninth, 10th place, they think that they can win it all. And they're like, any given year, any given playoffs or whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, the Blues example is a great example of a team that was honest with themselves, saw where they were, and made the appropriate move because, you know, it was it was going to walk, right? And they did the proper asset management thing. And just like the proper asset management thing is to get rid of Joe Pavelski, is the, to get rid of John Klingberg, and it's to get rid of Braden Holpe because they're not part of your future. They're all old as hell, all right? Well, maybe not Klingberg, but he's not at the he's not the kind of guy that you want to sign for eight years. He's already 29 years old. So... You know, it, it it really is deluding yourself into thinking that you could win it all. Because otherwise, it makes no sense to keep them. What? Playoff experience? For who? Tyler Sagan? For Jamie Benn? For Alex Radulov? Like, <laughs> who are we kidding here? Who are we kidding? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's the fact that even if you do trade those players, there's a pretty good chance they're going to make the playoffs anyway. Um, Dallas is in a decently comfortable spot right now um, that... You know, Pavelski and company and Klingberg are obviously important parts of the team, but we can't kid ourselves into thinking if this team is, you know, really after that playoff experience or whatever, that round one experience of getting shit kicked by the Calgary Flames, um, that even if you do trade those players, it's not like you're going to fall off a cliff and crater out of the wild card spot. You're probably still going to make it. Um, but of course, where maybe, maybe it's different with someone like, Jim Nill, who I'm pretty sure is still the GM there and has been since like 2013, Thatcher's sitting there going, oh, you know, we got to look like we're going for it so that I can keep my job longer. Because, of course, that is always the general manager's top priority to keep their job. Because if all of a sudden, if you're in Dallas, you're going, we're in a wild card spot, but I'm trading these guys away anyway, then that pretty much gives your boss the green light to go, eh, all right, I guess we're retooling a bit. Let's get someone else in here. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it just but it doesn't make any like think look at this this roster has some nice pieces to it. Um, looks like you've got your your goalie and Jake Ottinger. You know you obviously have Jason Robertson who's been who's been fantastic this year as well as last. You know Rupe Hint, you have Guriano who's solid. Like it's time to move past this this past generation of like the Radulov Sagan Ben Pavelski era. You can call it the Pavelski era an era. Um, and to hmm. you know, and then you look at like two years down the line. These players that I just named will presumably be even better, right? And then maybe you can make a cup run because your assets are all lined up. And because, you know, you get some assets this year, uh, you can make a real push. But, you know, if you look at the roster now, nobody's convincing themselves that this team is a Stanley Cup contender. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, and, uh, 
you know, it, it, it sucks that they can't see it for themselves, that it will benefit them in the long term and maybe even in the short term in like two years, like the Blues, if we're taking that analogy, uh, to sell off and to get assets because maybe you can flip those assets for better players, younger players, whatever it is, what you, whatever you do. Uh, it sure beats having nothing uh, in return for, you know, the, the, the trio, the Pavelski, Klingberg, Holpe trio uh, next year and, and, and beyond. Those second and Ben contracts are terrible. Do you know what they are? Sagan's got 9.85 million AAV till the end of 2026-27, and he's already 30 years old. Jamie Ben is 32, 9.5 million AAV till the end of, well, till 2025. Holy Those fuck. are terrible. Jesus Christ. Those are bad oh as hell. Oh my God. Uh, for two, those were like, those two players around like 2015, they were like, top 10 NHL players. Like, Jimmy Ben won an Art Ross Trophy. Sagan was scoring everywhere all the time. Then they just kind of both fell off simultaneously. Yeah, I, I guess that's how it happens, eh? Um, let me, like, that's yikes. Jesus. Well, well, when I was saying, you know, maybe two years from now, uh, it sounds like they're still going to be firmly on the team uh, unless they ship them off to, to Arizona. So, uh, you know, maybe that's not the way to move. But the point still stands. You want to let these players develop because this team is not, it's not cut up. It's not cut up for this year. Speaking of Arizona, where do you think Phil Kessel's going? Oh, <laughs> um, oh wait. Did you also know Alex Radulov was up after this year? There's another player. Why not? If you can, you know, retain half. Why not? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's been on like the fourth line lately. I think I don't think he's uh, which I guess he's like, he's like 35 years old now. I think so. Uh, you know, you know, if Dallas was doing the smart thing and selling, there's another guy. You know, retain half, and I'm sure a team would love to have him. Okay, so uh, all right. I mean, that that's a potential value. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's an ugly contract. Anyways, uh, you were saying Phil Kessel, uh, iconic Iron Man Phil Kessel, uh, with eight million dollar cap hit this year. Although I don't know how much of his retained. Um, and you could probably retain half again. Um, hmm, you know, a Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, right. The, the the oh man, I imagine <laughs> not. But um, uh, yeah. So the Leafs retained. 1.2 million AAV of that uh, when they made that trade in 2015. I don't think there's, I don't think Pittsburgh retained any when they traded. So it's 6.8 for Castle. So if Arizona retains half of that, then it is $3.4 million cap it. All right. So that's reasonable for a guy who can, you know, score goals. Uh, and uh, let's see, how has this production been? All right. 33 points on the Arizona Coyotes. Not, not too shabby. And uh, yeah, he's a consistent offensive guy. What more is there to say? Uh, it's Phil fucking Kessel. He's uh, he'll be there every night, uh, as as evidenced by his streak. Um, so yeah, what what team needs a winger? I mean, like you know, I can't. Yeah, the the relationship with Pittsburgh. Leafs. Even, yeah, the Leafs. Send them to the Leafs. Send them to the Leafs. <laughs> We're just all over the reunions, aren't we? Um, uh, Kessel back on the Leafs would be a, would be so fun. That would be hilarious. Only uh, just to see them losing the first round again. Um, hopefully, I mean, uh, quality. <laughs> was he on that twenty? Was it thirteen team? Um, I imagine oh, he yeah. was, right? Yeah, for okay. sure. Oh. He was like a main character of that there, team. There you go. So, you know, he leaves. He comes back just to watch them, you know, full circle. Oh, you'd love to see it. Um, yeah. P- Pittsburgh's missing wingers, though. You know, Kapanen sucks ass. So, you know, they could probably use another addition to their top six. But, uh, nah, you I- know, I'm looking through every single team. Yeah. You're thinking, Mike Kessel go here, Mike Kessel go there. Yeah. And almost all of them are going, ooh, that would be fun. Ooh, that would be fun. Ooh, that would be fun. And I think I know what the common denominator is, and it's that Phil Kessel is just fun. Yeah. And wherever he goes, the Absolutely. situation becomes more fun. There we go. So get Phil Kessel just for the good vibes. Um, you know what? I'm already ready to declare whoever acquires Phil Kessel 
a trade deadline winner in one of those absolutely articles. so just for the good vibes he brings um so there we go mm-hmm. there, there, there's your draw. my official my official somewhat realistic hope is that he goes to the oilers oh oh my god <laughs> man i like it would be fun but I can't like it doesn't feel like the right fix for the Oilers, but it would be so fun. Oh, but well, of course it's not the right fix. What do you what do you think? Ken Allen's gonna do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, what planet would, are you would, living on? It would be so wrong, but at the same time, it would be so funny. Like, is there like man to go from the Coyotes to the Oilers and ah, uh, you know what? Phil Kessel See, gives Oilers. Oilers I gotta say, yeah, he sure does. They got a little less than two million in cap space, but if you send Kyle Turris back the other way, then uh, it works out. Um, and then, you know, just a prospect or a draft pick or something. And uh, and there you go. You've made it work. You've got another winger who I guess is, you know, maybe borderline top six at this point. And all, when you got a fully healthy team, you know, I'm tr- off the top of my head, it's like McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Puyarvi, Evander Kane, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto. Is Phil Kessel like chilling on your third line with, with Ryan McLeod and uh, someone else, I don't know, Tyler Benson, Warren Vogel. I mean, your defense is still god-awful. But you have Phil Kessel on your team now, so who cares? It's fun. You know, why not put Phil Kessel with Connor McDavid, though? That's, that's my question. Why you got to do it? Man, Excellent point. Like, like, think about it. Did I even say Zach Hyman? Was that? Did I even say Zach Hyman? I don't think you did. Um, yeah, well, there's really. another one. There's another one. Um, but yeah, Phil Kessel been stuck all the whole time with a bunch of bums in Arizona. Why would we stick with more Edmonton Oiler bums, all right, you know, in the bottom six? No, that's terrible. <laughs> at the very least, you put him with Dreisaitl. At the very least. And at best, you put him with Connor McDavid. Um, you know, I don't see how you don't do it, to be totally frank, um, because uh, he deserves it. Oh, man, to pad those stats? Are you kidding me? Ah, oh, too good. Yep. Um, let's, let's move over to uh, Ben Sherratt. This will be a, this is going a, a fun one, um, and I know Habs Nation has been getting their hopes up lately because it feels like all the talk about Ben Chirot trade is oh they'll get a first round pick oh they'll get a first round pick, um, but I have a new theory that when Elliot Friedman first brought that up, however many months ago, like I think I remember it being Montreal is quite confident they'll be able to get a first round pick for Ben Chirot, and I think it's very possible at the Montreal front office. And it might have been Bergevin at the time, actually. Just do that thing that, you know, front offices sometimes do. Just float things out in the media. If Mark Bergevin tells Elliot Friedman, I'm confident we're going to be able to get a first-round pick for Ben Chirot, no matter how true or false that is, um, Elliot Friedman hears that and goes, if you say so, Montreal's confident they'll get a first-round pick. And the hope from Montreal's point of view is that teams around the league are going, oh, I guess we better step up our game if we want to get this guy and pony up a first-round pick. Um, but there is still no evidence that I have seen that any team has actually offered a first-round pick, and all we know is that Montreal seems to think they'll be able to get one. So what I'm saying is, at Habs fans, maybe brace yourself for a little disappointment on deadline day when no team around the NHL ponies up a first-rounder for this terrible defenseman, especially with several other defensemen of equal or better caliber available, uh, including not just Jacob Chikrin, but also Mark Giordano, Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson, uh, just kind of scrolling through this list. Robert Hogg is probably cheaper. Justin Braun is definitely cheaper. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, no one is going to 
feel the need to pony up that first round pick or something equivalent for this guy. Yeah, no, it's truly remarkable just how over-fucking-rated this guy is. I mean, to be number three, I understand he's going to be traded, but to be number three on the trade bait list seems a bit egregious. Um, because, and, and I just want to say, hey, you know that whole leaking to the media thing? I don't know, is it a bit of a double-edged sword too? Like, A, you're getting the, the, the fans' hopes up, and if you get anything less than a first-round pick, the fan base is disappointed. Um, and B... I mean, you put it out on social media and everybody's laughing at all these teams. It was like, who the hell is giving up a first round pick for Ben Sherratt? <laughs> and then these teams are like, uh-oh, this would sure look like an unpopular move. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how, I doubt that it's, you know, it's the, these moves are influenced largely by social media response. Um, but maybe it gets these teams to second guess themselves a bit uh, and play themselves out of a first round pick. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I can't. I can't see... Uh, this whole public negotiation thing working out particularly well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, do you think right now, make a prediction, do you think they're going to get a first round pick for Ben Chirot? No, I don't think they okay. will. All right, I'm going to say yes. I think teams are are, are desperate as fuck. Um, and, uh, they'll pour, and they all think that Ben Chirot is way better than he think is. And also, I just want to say, man, that, that, that contract ended fast. I don't know what it was, but I did not realize it was up after the end of the season. I thought it was on for was- longer. So, There's three seasons. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it, you know, it, and two of them were short. Yeah, that's true. That that's a good point. That two of them were short. Um, but you know, it was a terrible contract to begin with, and it felt like, oh man, we're gonna be stuck with this guy forever. Uh, but wow, those three years kind of, they kind of zoomed by, to be totally honest. And uh, your point about less In some ways. there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I didn't actually. Well, and, and you know, I thought it would be as you know, the, the him and the Joel Edmondson contract would end at the same time. Obviously, I didn't do the math there. Um, but you know, surprising to see is you know UFA at the end of the year. Uh, so yeah, that's Ben Chirot, Um and uh, you'll love to see it. So hopefully someone ponies yeah. it up. That that's peak fun. If we have first and plus, oh, I would love to see it. Yeah, Joel Edmondson signed one year later and for for one more year. So your math was quite off on that one. Right. But yeah, I do feel like with Ben Chirot, it will go one way or the other. It'll be like oh a second round pick, and everyone's disappointed. Or it'll be far in the other direction where like they get more for him than they got for Tao Toffoli or something. And honestly, I wouldn't be too shocked either way just because I remember that series against the Leafs last year, specifically in like that game six overtime, how Ben Chirot was on for like half of it and all of the time he was on the ice with just chance after chance after chance for the Maple Leafs. And we were sitting there going, wow, Ben Chirot is terrible. And on Twitter, everyone was going, wow, Ben Sherrod is awful. And then they cuts to like Kevin BX on company <laughs> after the game. And they can't stop raving about Ben Sherrod. Well, look at the way he like hits the player in the defensive zone. And I'm like, yeah, because he's always in the defensive zone. And the other team always has the puck, Kevin. Um, but I guess maybe he sees himself in Ben Sherrod or something like that. And you know what? I'm sure there are a fair amount of NHL GMs who see themselves in Ben Sherrod as well. Uh, whether they play in the NHL or not, maybe they just see someone who's incompetent and go, I identify with that. I want you on my side. <laughs> you know what? I think, I think, uh, you have a lot of the GMs who, you know, their heads are full of hot air and they would probably buy that narrative. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if they have the Habs have gotten a first round pick offer and they already, they haven't already hit like, you know, trade made the call with the NHL. That's a crime in itself. I just want to put that out there. Um, because, uh, yeah, if I'm the NH- if I'm the Habs GM, I've won the trade already. You know, a first round pick coming my way for Ben Sherrod. 
Um, so that's that's what that's what leaves me inclined to believe that they actually haven't gotten a first round offer because the concept of getting a first round pick for Ben Sherat and not having to dump his contract with a first round pick um, and then not making that trade call immediately <laughs> is an egregious thought. I, I can't conceive of it. So uh, you know I, that's why I think they're full of shit. But if they aren't, which they very may well be, um, I would. Uh, that's a crime. What was wasn't there a rumor a while back that was, well not a, like a couple of weeks ago that was like apparently Dubis offered or like is ready to offer a first and Topi Niemela for Ben Sherat, and I was like that was even that was like sounded too ridiculous to be true especially from from Dubis. Yeah, um, no, that that was a rumor. Um, yeah, I, I, it was never confirmed though, as these things ever are never are. But uh, I would love that. I would love that for the Leafs. Would a hundred percent for the that. Leafs? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean well, for the Leafs? Well, as in me watching the Leafs fail, fall flat on their face, uh-uh. and acquire Ben Chirot for you know way too much, and having not learned at all from their Nick Foligno debacle last year, um, uh-huh. would love that for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. You talked about oh, wait, what would be more ridiculous to you? And I think I know the answer um, because I definitely know mine. Is it more ridiculous? To for Montreal to not accept a first round pick for Ben Sherratt yet because you want more, or for Rasmus Ristolainen to not accept a deal with a six point three million dollar AAV because he thinks he'll be able to get more. <laughs> you know, I was going to make this exact same transition uh, to 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 dear Rasmus. <laughs> um, so holy shit, I'm going to answer the question. Uh, I think what you asked, which one was more likely? Um, no, which one's more ridiculous? Oh, more ridiculous. Oh, the Ristolainen thing for sure. Um, seems that it's the truth. We had multiple reports coming out that uh, they're trying to negotiate a long-term deal or whatever. $6.3 million. Oh, my God. If that's true, I don't know if I've ever seen a team as down bad in the sunk cost fallacy as the Philadelphia fucking Flyers right here. Um, because, you know, if they're going to really sign him for six by three, six point three at anything, honestly, they re-sign this guy. Uh, they're so they got their head so far up their ass uh, into thinking that they made a good trade and for in, in acquiring him for a first round pick when he's been awful this year too. It's not like he's redeemed himself. Um, and uh, yeah, it seems like they want to save the optics or whatever the hell it is because uh, you know there's no other justification for signing Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, it's it's comical. It's comical, honestly, that there's even negotiation rumors to begin with. Yep. Uh, this is was like uh, wasn't there. Something in like Stephen Stamkos's like second season, there was a deal in place to send him to the Rangers for like Ryan Callahan and Dan Girardi or some shit, and then it ended up being the Rangers who said no. Something like that. I maybe I have the story slightly wrong, but I'm pretty sure the Rangers had a chance to get Stamkos for what in hindsight would have been a massive win, and they got cold feet. Um, and this is a similar thing where the Flyers go here, take this absolutely ridiculous contract that we would all instantly regret. And Rasmus Ristolainen goes, not enough. Um, yeah, who's the big uh, idiot yeah. here? <laughs> yeah, who's the bigger? It's hard to know. I mean, I, I think it's definitely the Flyers because Ristolainen, while he definitely doesn't deserve that much money, it's maybe correct that someone will give him more. You know, maybe <laughs> he's right. So, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge him nearly as harshly as I'll judge the Flyers. On this getting getting duped by fallacies, as you say, uh, some kind of philosophy. Um, but uh, <laughs> I do think, um, besides just the fact that Ristolainen is terrible, um, not only is it the smart thing for the Flyers to do for your hockey team, but also for optics, let him walk. Um, I mean, I'll try to trade him actually first. See if you can, you know, recover, you know, get something back for him, which I'm sure you could. I uh, wouldn't 
wouldn't or at least shouldn't be nearly as much as you gave up for him. Um, but honestly, I think it's as about it's about as good as an opt- optics win as you could hope for to just let him walk rather than assigning him to any new contract. Ah, uh, yes, but you're thinking rationally. Um, these people think seeing him walk would be a huge optics loss, and that the only way to salvage their reputation at this point is to sign him to a multi-year contract that way too much money. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, like I want to know what is Rasmus Ristolainen basing his did not like his refusal off of if this contract was real, his offer was real. Um, I mean, does he have contacts and all the other teams telling him to pay him more? Otherwise, he's just being he's completely delusional himself. He thinks he's you know whoever the hell he thinks he's Victor Hedman or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I want to know. I want to know what's going through the heads of everybody. I want to know if this is true, and uh, I want to see this contract thing as soon as possible, please. Oh yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it come to life. And I have a feeling, uh, one way it's going to be on deadline day. I feel like it's going to be one of those situations where they're like you know fielding offers, but also focusing harder on the contract negotiation because you want to get that done rather than a trade because you know in a trade you won't get nearly as much as you gave up so to save the optics like you know we got to keep this guy here for a long time and i think it's probably going to end up something like i don't know a five or six year deal with like a six and a half million aav and instantly catapulting itself into top five worst contracts in the nhl (laughs) everyone would go mad everyone would go mad at that contract are you kidding me Uh, Twitter would lose its shit. Um, man, I wish. I wish. That would be the most entertaining day. You know? The Ristolainen signing day. Uh, give that to me. Yeah, because, you know, they think they'll have no leverage if they let him pass the deadline because at that point he can only walk. So they got to they gotta sign him before the trade deadline, you know? So that's, that's, that's the way to go. Is it Chuck Fletcher right now? Who's the GM there? Uh, I think it is Chuck Fletcher. There we go. Perfect. He's the man for the job. Absolutely. That trade was... So shocking when it happened. Was it even the worst one of the day? Was that was that trade worse than the Seth Jones trade? I'm not even sure. <laughs> that was a and that was the same day as the Oliver Ekman Larson trade. Actually, which actually out of those three was definitely the best one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Holy shit! Uh huh. When you put it like that, that was a crazy. Yeah. I was just because like we all knew that like oh yeah, Ristolainen line is like he sucks, but he's one of those players who's overrated by the hockey. We didn't know how overrated he was. First and the 14th overall pick of that night, and like a second, and Robert Hogg. What the hell? Batch it. What the hell? I did, I, man, I did not realize it was a 14th overall pick. I didn't remember that. Um, yeah, it was holy. a 14th overall pick from that evening, and then Buffalo took Isaac Rosen, holy who nice. was kind, kind of a reach, but he's okay, I think. Beats having Rasmus Ristolainen on your team, tell you that. Absolutely does. Man. He's a full-on liability, and he's out, they're out here out unloading. Ah, man, for for that haul, I wish I wish all the players were like that. If I was an manager, you know, um, you know, maybe maybe that's the maybe that's the asset. Maybe that's the uh, inefficiency. Rasmus Ristolainen, acquire him and then flip him for King's ransom. All right. Uh, any other? Uh, I think we've covered just about all the defensemen. I mean, apparently Jeff Petrie might be on the trade block. Um, I don't think so. Probably not. But if the Habs can unload him, I would unload him immediately. Um, I think you gotta, I think you gotta wait for his value to be higher than it is because he was so bad for the first half of the season. I still feel like even though he's picked it up a little bit lately, that you're probably better off waiting until he's decidedly back in form. Yeah, maybe, but uh, you're running that risk that uh, 
you know, you're gambling on the fact that he will return to form, which uh, I don't know. It was a really fucking bad first half of the season. But, you know, they've been doing better with St. Louis, eh? Um, well, you know, we mention it every so often, but uh, looks like they've got their mojo back. So, so I saw a Twitter thread today that was like, oh, with seven wins in the last eight games, is Montreal going to, like, not want to do a full rebuild now? Oh, and I was like, I can't read this. I'm sorry. I'm not going to look through this. Um, incredibly small sample size dictating the entire future of the organization stuff. Yeah, but that's exactly the kind of thing that happens, isn't it? <laughs> yep. So, would I be surprised if Marti Selloui got himself a five-year contract as the head coach of the Habs, and they just get par for the course, fuck the rebuild? I would not be surprised. I would I would be, uh, you know, I would think it's moronic, but uh, you know, wouldn't be surprised in the least. And then their heads are going, oh, think how good it'll be when we get Carey Price and Christian Dvorak and Jonathan Drouin back. We'll be unstoppable next year. <laughs> oh, God. <What> a... <laughs> well, you know, it's a new era. We'll, we'll, we'll hold off judgment until they make the call. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's there. The, 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 option, the, the option is certainly, uh, the possibility is certainly existing uh, in this league. All right. Um, let's see. Who else? Who else is available and fun? Um, number two on the trade bait list, we have, we have Claude Giroux. Uh, Mr., Mr. In my Mr. head, he's already on the avalanche. <laughs> Man, that feels like I get it. He's got the no movement. He chooses where he goes. But uh, that's I feel like that's so, you know, like with his big cap it, you know, you can retain half and it's still $4 million. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Colorado has the room for it. Yeah, do they? Um, I the think. Uh, I think I remember looking at their page and be like, oh yeah, they can make Giroux fit uh, with relative ease. Yeah, they have almost four, they have about $3.9 million of deadline cap space. So you send back one chief guy the other way, send back like Darren Helm or something, and you're good. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I guess it's a matter of sorting out compensation. Um, Yeah, because if Giroux decides he wants to go to Go to Colorado. There's nothing Philadelphia can do. Either that or you let him yep. walk, right? So, you know. Yep. You know what? If you're Colorado, you're just hoping you can, you know, snipe him for nothing because uh, that would be really funny. And, uh, oh, man. Could you imagine losing Drew for not enough and then uh, using that cap space to sign Erasmus? For I feel like oh. my hunch is that Giroux would be gracious enough to offer more than one team yeah, to the flyers right. that he'd be willing to go to mm-hmm. so i don't think they're going to get into that trouble but still it's never good to have a limited uh limited amount of teams you're working with yep that's the case um so uh yeah that's certainly uh that's probably the what top forward um on the market for sure like, yeah him and, and him and jt miller if, if the the shark if the canucks are open to trading him uh and uh yeah Anybody else that uh, sticks out to you on this list? I feel like we've covered most of the big names. Here are the, the last ones I want to talk about because this always aggravates me. Number 17 on the list is Toronto first rounder. <laughs> and number 30 and 31 on the list are Buffalo cap space and Arizona cap space. Who cares? Put names on this list, please. Put anyone. And why Toronto first round pick? I know it's like Toronto Sports Network. <laughs> but like any every contending team's first rounder is in play. So it's just so ridiculous to me that they'd put the Toronto one there and leave out, I don't know, who else has their first round pick and is like, do they? I thought so. Do they have their, I think so. Uh, yeah. And honestly, looking at recent memory, yeah, they do. 
it's much more likely that Tampa Bay's first round pick gets traded than Toronto's because they just gave up theirs for David Savard and the year before they gave up two for Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman. So they'll probably do it again for like Justin Braun and then win a third Stanley Cup in a row. Maybe, you know what, maybe if we're talking about how they're making this list, we're balancing value and uh, likelihood of getting traded. Because Toronto's inevitably going to get first eliminated in the first round, it's just that much more <laughs> valuable <laughs> than Tampa Bay's, who you know will probably be you know maybe around the thirty range. So uh, maybe that's what we're thinking in Toronto. Maybe they're just super. Wow, the gap, about it. the gap is seventeenth on the list, and also a team in Canada to not to behind Luke Shen. <laughs> oh man, they really said Toronto first round pick is is above like Thomas Hurdle on this list. Which is they uh, really said absurd. Toronto first round pick is the only draft pick we're putting on this list of fifty assets. <laughs> so stupid. Like I get the Buffalo and the Arizona. Like it's uncreative. Is it stupid? Yes, but I understand because Arizona's hopefully for their sake, you know, going to weaponize their cap base and whatnot. And that they're really because it's so it's a flat cap era. You know, flat pick. You know, it's not many teams can do that. But everybody can trade their first round pick. And hopefully, a lot yep. of these, a lot of these fucking contenders will. So, uh, what's this whole Toronto yeah, nonsense? Just, it's here's so what you should up. do. What the it's, hell? It's, it's insane, and it's the only draft pick that you've listed. Make a separate list. Uh, here are teams that will probably be willing to trade their first round pick away at the deadline. And you know what? If you put Toronto at the top of that list, I won't give a fuck. <laughs> you won't click this, on the article. <laughs> Well I, well, I won't click on the article, I guess. But it's just like, what's the point of being like, oh, we're so clever. We're putting the first round pick of the silly maple laughs on our list. <laughs> it's... Right right between Andrew Kopp and Nick Paul. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I want to know whose idea this was. Uh, it was probably, who was it? Hmm, Darren Drager? Seems like I'd probably Craig guy. Button. Craig Button, okay, yeah. This all is right. absolutely something Craig Button would come up with. <laughs> Draft guru. Uh, I'm all about the draft, so I'm putting a <laughs> Toronto draft pick up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it does really stand out as particularly stupid. Like, I was scrolling through the list, I was like, huh, Toronto <laughs> yeah. first rounder, eh? But now that we look deep into it, and there's no other team on there who has their pick, um, and it's number 17 <laughs> out of 30, or 50, holy shit. Um, yeah. God, what a nightmare. Nightmare. What if they just had, like... New York Rangers fifth round pick on the list. Is that a no? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say maybe they should just make a list of all the draft picks ranked just by stars base. third round pick. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh man, so uh, there we go. I want to know who put this together. Uh, I want to see. The, I want to. I want to be at the a fly on the wall on that trade on that like you know, TSN <laughs> meeting. meeting. Yeah, I was like, all right, uh, Andrew Kopp over Thomas Hurdle. That makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, and then Craig jumps in. Oh, the first rounder right now. Toronto Maple Leafs first round pick on the trade bait list. Oh, God. Uh, this must be the dumbest rent we've ever gone on. <laughs> I, like to, I like to believe that Craig Button proposed that it go at number eight, but then people talked him out of it. <laughs> Eventually, I'm just settled. You know, he was like, all right, what's more trade baity, Ben Sherratt or the Toronto Maple Leafs first round pick? You know, here's what I think. I think... Greg Button was probably like, oh, I think this we should have like all the first round picks. Like the top ten of the list should just be first round picks from various teams. And then you had like someone who's a voice of reason is like, I think we should have no draft picks on this list, you moron. And then they came to a compromise having one first round pick in the upper half. Either he advocated for all the first round picks or he went, We should have all the Toronto Maple Leafs picks 
on this list. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they're just going to trade their picks away because they're in win-now mode, unlike every other team in the National Hockey League. Right, and then someone was like, okay, so someone talked Craig out of it, and they're like, you know, okay, fine, we'll, we'll you know, we'll compromise. We'll put the first-round pick. We'll, we'll, we'll stick it pretty high, too. Um, so here we yeah. are. How, how do you like that, Craig? Here, take a take a lolly take a lollipop. Right. You know, I hate how it's phrased too. I gotta say, Toronto first rounder. That's the dumbest fucking way to put it. I gotta say, you know, like first rounder. It seems stupid to me. Like you could put first round pick. Why rounder? It throw it it, it throws yeah. Me off. You know, it throws me. That's off. absolutely true. That's the type of thing you say out loud, but you don't write down. Exactly. This is. Do they like you know like use Siri to like you know someone was talking into it and then like you know somebody made a word document mm. out of it they put it on this table no typos no other, no typos I saw in here the other day I was watching the Canadians game and they flash up the lineups on the board and I saw there was a typo instead of saying Chris Wideman it said Chris Wideman like the plural ah like multiple Chris Wideman <laughs> all right good catch good catch um, thank you. Yeah, I mean, for, for, fortunately for the Habs, they don't have more than one of them. Um, but yeah, uh, he's pretty good. He's fine. More than one, though, it's it, it becomes a bit much. Perhaps. Anyway, um, time for trivia. All right, We're almost an hour and a half. Let's go. As you know, I forgot it was my turn, so I didn't come up with anything until just before we started recording. So all I have is a concept. I don't have like a list of questions or anything. So we're just kind of. Uh, let me just count something quick. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yesterday, last year on trade deadline day, looks like there were 12 trades, which doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah, what the heck? I feel like, I feel like there were more than that, but that's all I see. All I see is uh, 12. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you a question about one of the trades, and you're going to answer it. And I'm going to go deal by deal. And your threshold for success will be, I don't know, 8 on 12, 9 on 12. What are we thinking? Sure, 8 sounds good. It seems optimistic eight. to uh, have okay. more than 8. All right, let's go. All right, let's see how I want to phrase these questions. All right, all right here we go. Uh, Vancouver traded Jordy Ben to Winnipeg in exchange for a draft pick. What round was the <laughs> Okay, all right, let's see. Jordy Ben. What, do I get to know if any of it was retained? His contract? Uh, no know. salary retained. Okay, do I get to know his cap hit last year? <laughs> it was $2 million. Okay, $2 million, Jordy Ben. You said to the Jets, right? Yep. God, I don't know. I can't imagine it's more than a fifth. I'm going to say fifth round pick. The answer is a sixth round pick. Oh, so, man. wrong. Tragic. All right. God Next. Man. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers traded Michael Raffle to Washington, retaining 25%. What round was the draft pick they received? <laughs> well, I guess you get half a point for getting for saying fifth round pick when it was sixth round pick. You know, they're basically the same pick. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right, would you would you say it was retained? Yeah, twenty five percent retained, which was four hundred thousand. So oh, the okay. cap hit going to Washington was one point two million. All right, that sounds. I'm gonna, man. I'm tempted to say fourth or fifth, no higher. I'm gonna say fifth. 
Is it a fifth Correct. round Correct. It was a oh. fifth round pick. Oof, I was leaning fourth for a second there. Uh-huh. You know, I was like, oh, the retention is going to make it a fourth. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Nashville traded Brandon Fortunato and a 2023 seventh round pick to Ottawa for which defenseman with a $4 million cap hit at the time? Ooh. It's in Nashville. Nashville and Ottawa. Uh oh, is this the is this Eric fucking Good Branson trade? Was that what it was? Correct. Eric Good Branson. <laughs> Two for three. Uh, All okay. right. All right. Nice. All right. Here we got a, a one for one deal. San Jose Ooh. traded anti Swomella to Toronto for this player. Ah oh, man. Is it a player I've heard of? Or is it really yes. some no oh okay. Is he an NHL player? I'm not gonna give more hints. That's terrible. Um, man, this trade rings a bell. This trade sure does ring a bell, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> God, this sucks. This stinks. Um, who is it? Anti Swamella. In exchange for? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. Who? Alexander Barabanov. Oh. That rings a bell. That rings a bell. Yeah, as it should. Okay. All right, you're two for four. All right, next Damn. up. Uh, next up, Anaheim traded Yanni Hockenpah okay. and a sixth round pick to Carolina for which defenseman? Tough. Uh, do I get any any sort of information on this defenseman? Um, this defenseman. Is not on the Ducks anymore. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Uh, do I get to know his current team? No. That, that's that's unfortunate. Um, all right. Western Conference. There, I'm feeling generous. Wow. Okay. Yanni Hakampa to the Carolina Hurricanes, along with you said a sixth round pick. That's correct. To which team? The Ducks. To yeah, well, Hawk and Pa and the yeah. six went to the Hurricanes, and this player went to the Ducks. Oh man, I don't know. This, this, this these trades feel like vaguely familiar, but just out of reach, you know, as as trade yeah. deadlines from the year before do, you know, uh, uh-huh. wherein I have no idea who it is. Uh, who was even on the Hurricanes back then? It was like forever ago. Yeah, I can't even. This was less than a year ago. This was less than a year. How, what, oh man, this was like wait. This is like eleven months ago, right? There, the trade line was in April. This was April twelfth. Okay, all right. Get it together. Um, yeah, I don't know. I give up. Top the answer shit. is Hayden Flurry. Ooh. Oh, now on the Kraken. I guess that's the now of the Kraken. There we go. So. All right. All right. Um. Next up. Uh, you have you are at two out of five correct. Not very good. <laughs> Next up, uh, Montreal traded a twenty twenty two seventh round pick to the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for this player. Ah, power play quarterback, Eric Gustafson. Very nice, nicely done. Three for six. Thank you. Next up, Go back. the Toronto Maple Leafs traded a fifth round pick to Anaheim in exchange. For this defenseman. Um, for a defenseman. Yes. 
Do I get a hint? Who is no longer on the Maple Leafs. Okay, what team is he on now? I'm not going to tell you. Come on. Give me this one. Western I'm, I'm, Conference. I'm so down bad right now. Western Conference. Can I get a division at least? Uh, Pacific. Okay. All right. Tough. Um, who's on the Leafs last year? Because I like we played them in the first round. I don't yep. remember any of the. I don't remember any like fucking novel defenseman on the Leafs last year. Um, ooh, from the Ducks. Um, oh, was it Ben Hutton? Yeah, <laughs> you got it. I was just about. I was just about to say. Hint: He didn't actually play in the playoffs at all. Oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. <laughs> because he did, he played four games for the Leafs only. Yeah. And if you got it wrong, I was gonna I was gonna lead it off with karaoke singer Ben Hutton. Mm. But you got it. There we go. So well done. Well, well because the we today, you know? uh-huh, four out of seven. Next all up, right. Detroit traded Anthony Mantha to Washington in exchange for. Let's see how well you were listening to me before. Jakob Verana. A first round pick, a second round pick, and what other player? Richard Ponick. Very nice, very Let's nice. Go. Um, so you're on a little bit of a roll now. Three yeah. right in a row. Five for eight. Next. Um oh here's a fun one. Well, it's not that fun. It's actually kind of boring. I was saying that <laughs> sarcastically. Vancouver traded a fourth round pick to Chicago in exchange for a fifth round pick, and which player? Oh, I don't fucking know. God, I, I have I have negative recollection of this trade. I I you're I always me- love those trades where it's like the player is so bad. You're like, hey, we'll move we'll move up we'll move down like one round in the yeah. late in like mid late draft for this player. Yeah. So you're telling me you're you're trying to get me to guess a player who's worth like less than a seventh round pick at this point. Um. I, I don't know. Who is it? Madison Bowie. No. Good for him. Good for him. Um, yeah, I have, no, I have nothing else to say about Madison Bowie. Zero, zero things. Okay. Um, very well. Next up, we have the three-way trade. The one three-way trade of the day Ooh. involving Chicago, San Jose, and Vegas. Okay. Who was the main player involved? Oh, okay. Main player, I uh, was uh to Vegas. Was uh, what the fuck's his name? It was Yanmark, right? Yeah, okay. Matthias Yanmark. Let's go. Well done. Thank you. So, so you got four wrong so far. You're six for ten. Oh, God. So you need to get both these last two right to oh, meet the threshold. God. Okay. All right. Let's go. All right. Um, how do I want to ask this one? Uh. All right, the Sam Bennett trade. Okay. Uh, the Calgary Flames. Who, who was, yes. <laughs> All right. So here, Sam Sam Bennett and a sixth to Florida okay. for a second round pick and what prospect? Oh, uh, Emil Heinemann. Very nice. Yeah, I thought I'd make that one. Not too challenging because this last deal, I don't even remember it happening, but apparently it did. Come so on. come on. So, so, sorry. All right. Uh, all right. All right. So I'll, try to, I'll make this answerable. Oh, thank Colorado, you. Colorado traded Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston yeah, to Chicago already 
unanswered. to Chicago All right. in exchange for this player who, upon you know being sent back to Colorado, that was his second stint, and now he's not in the NHL anymore. Oh, son of a fucking bitch. Um, I gave you like two hints okay, built right, into the right. question. Okay, okay, okay. So second stint and is no longer there. So I have to think of, wait, is, is no longer there. What, do I get to, what do I, does he have a new team? He's no longer in the NHL. Oh, okay, no longer in the NHL. Okay, all right. Oof, man. Um, woof. Jesus, this is this is a... Would you say Ryder Rolston caliber player? Ryder Rolston plus Josh Dickinson. Oh, oh, he's something else. He's a two for one guy. Um, <laughs> back on the Avalanche from the Blackhawks for a second stint and is probably retired or something. Um, still playing in Europe. There's oh, another hint. Okay, so he's probably European, unless he's not. No, I don't fucking know. Who was on the Avalanche last year? Like, uh, names that come to mind. He only played four of their playoff games. Okay. Well, that's a decent number. Can I get like a letter of his first name or some shit? No, I've given you like four <laughs> hints. You're on your own now. Okay. Good luck. You got like a minute and a half, and then you're going to have you call it quits. Okay. I think you're called quits on this Dickinson Rolston player. Um, yep. What was his cap hit? No, no, no cap hit. Uh, fine. Let me pull up his cap okay, for thank you. you. It was exactly one million dollars. All right, me completely meaningless. Um, <laughs> yeah, essentially, I see why you gave it to me. Um, <laughs> I might as well have not asked you that question. Uh, all right. I don't fucking know. Who the hell is on that team? To give up. I feel like I need to give it an extra ten seconds. Because it's okay, my I'll uh, let you. This is my last this is my loss that I'm playing with here. Yeah, it's not coming to me. Who is it? The answer is Carl Soderberg. Oh. Oh, okay. I could have realistically made that Chicago link if you had given me two hours to think about it but you know that wasn't <laughs> coming that wasn't coming anytime soon all right uh, i didn't realize oh, he's he's in the swedish league this year yeah doing quite well 30 points in 44 games and i didn't realize he's already 36 years old oh all right well he seems like he's been there forever too at the same time so you know i don't remember i feel like he he broke into the nhl kind of late yeah. yeah like he started with the bruins he didn't have his first full season till 2013 14 when i guess he would have been like 27 years old all right so there we go i guess he's always been slightly old um <laughs> well ouch <laughs> sorry carl okay moving on let's 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 round this up this this tough l yep oh that, that that's the last question you lost oh oh okay damn oh wait yeah, i could have won if i had gotten that son yeah son of a yeah, I said you have two left, and then I gave you the easy Sam Bennett one, and then the Soderberg was the last. Damn, I thought I thought you gave me the I thought you gave me the easy Sam Bennett question because I was just gonna lose on the next question, but no, it was, man, I was so close. I was so <laughs> you were close. Nice try. You know, I feel like for having no quiz prepared, I think I did pretty well with that. Very nice I have to say. All right, give myself props. Good shit.
All right, what team do we want to do next week? All right. How about the Lightning? Sticking with our good teams. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. Okay. Easy. Nice. All right. right. Well, Well, this has been a long one. We should probably look at their schedule, Uh, actually, before. uh... I did. They have three games. Oh, okay. Perfect. I looked at it while you were trying to figure out Carl Soderberg. Wow. Thinking ahead. You'll have to say a multitasking king. All right. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Next week, we're going to talk about Tampa Bay Lightning. And maybe this time there will be some trades more exciting than Alex Stalock for future considerations and Michael McNeven for future considerations. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Alex's New Handle and at Tai Seifu. And remember to drink water. The end. (laughs) 